Sermon number 610, Fighting God, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on June 4, 1972. The text is Acts, the fifth chapter, the 39 verse, You could find yourselves fighting against God. On this first Sunday in June, when so many of you have taken the opportunity to be at worship, I would like to take this time to remind you and many in our radio congregation of a fact that some people forget during the summer months. You know, there are several churches and many ministers and far too many congregational members who somehow feel that when summertime comes they have a right not only to vacation but also it is their privilege to stay home from church school and worship. So many feel this way that many churches curtail their program during the summer quarter. For those of you who may be new in our family or who have not heard it before, Bakerstown Church, its pastors and its session does not agree with such philosophy. We have a full program all summer, not only in our church school program but also in our worship. One of us will be here each Sunday, and we expect to see each and every one of you. I know many of you have busy activities planned for the summer. We expect you to include worship and education. Therefore, we will count on your presence every Sunday during this summer quarter. For Bakerstown Church has a great heritage in realizing that since God does not take a vacation, neither do we take it from worship or from Christian education. We shall be here each Sunday. Now listen to the word of God as it is found in the Acts of the Apostles. Fifth chapter, beginning to read at the 27th verse. They brought the apostles in and made them stand before the council, and the high priest questioned them. We gave you strict orders not to teach in the name of this man, he said, but see what you have done. You have spread your teaching all over Jerusalem, and you want to make us responsible for his death. Peter and the other apostles answered back, We must obey God, not men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from death after you had killed him by nailing him to a cross, and God raised him to his right side as leader and savior to give to the people of Israel the opportunity to repent and have their sins forgiven. We are witnesses to these things. We and the Holy Spirit, who is God's 
gift to those who obey him. Well, when the members of the council heard this, they were so furious, they decided to have the apostles put to death. But one of them, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was highly respected by all the people, stood up in the council. He ordered the apostles to be taken out and then said to the council, Men of Israel, be careful what you are about to do with these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared claiming that he was somebody great, and about 400 men joined him, but he was killed and all his followers were scattered and his movement died out. After this, Judas the Galilean appeared during the time of the census. He also drew a crowd after him, but he also was killed, and all of his followers were scattered. And so in this case now, I tell you, do not take any action against these men. Leave them alone, for if this plan and work of theirs is a man-made thing, it will disappear. But if it comes from God, you cannot possibly defeat them. You can find yourselves fighting against God. The council followed Gamaliel's advice. I read that passage of scripture today and have tried to base the sermon upon its teaching. Because from time to time, we need to be reminded that the first church grew and was faithful in following the will of God, not just because of the attempts of great men like Peter and Paul, but also because of the attitude of lesser significant people like Gamaliel. The church then and now, as it always has, has come to the fulfillment and manifestation of God's will only through the work not only of those people who know they are fighting but fighting for God, but also by people who are constantly aware and live in the fear that they might be fighting against God. It takes both types of people, as history shows, to bring about the perfection and the manifestation and the fulfillment of God's will in the world, no matter what age. You see, in the sight of God, we are divided into two groups. We are known by him as being people who are either fighting for him by fulfilling his will, or fighting against him, being, whether we know it or not, in opposition to his will. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it's terribly difficult to tell which group is which. Sometimes in the kingdom of God it is hard to tell 
who is wearing the black hats and who wears the white hats. Sometimes, sometimes I am personally very envious of those individuals who seem to know without a question of a doubt the will of God in all matters of faith and practice and morals and citizenship and, and what is to be expected or what is to be done to confront and to help repair some of the complex social problems that are before us. Well, sometimes I wish I had the faith that some of these people have when they say they know the will of God in all instances and are convinced that they are on the side of doing what God would have done. Sometimes I wish I had that conviction in those areas of shaded doubt where the will of God does not seem to be real clear to me. Yes, sometimes I'm very envious of them, but sometimes I'm very suspicious of such people. Suspicious because history teaches that sometimes those who have fighted, who have fought the longest and hardest for God, in reality, as history shows, they have really been in opposition and fighting against God. Take, for example, Saul. Saul, before he became Paul, he was a good man, he was a religious man. And undoubtedly he felt that he was fulfilling the will of God and doing what God would have him to do when he condoned the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and when he asked for permission to go to Damascus and to persecute and harass those individuals who had left the established religion to follow the new teachings of the way of Jesus Christ. And then you'll remember that it was on the Damascus Road when he had a traumatic experience when literally the feet were knocked from out under him when he was temporarily blinded and where for the first time he was confronted with the reality that though he thought he was fighting for God, in reality he was persecuting the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And there he learned the lesson that sometimes in fighting for God, in the sight of God, we are opposing him. You see, it's never easy, nor clear-cut, nor simple, to see the will of God in all matters. And there are times when we will have great questions in our mind as to what is right in the sight of God. Oh, in some matters, there's never a question. But in other areas, especially when we confront some of the social ills of our day, it's hard to know what God would have us to do if we were to do his will. It presents a real problem sometimes. 
What are we to do? What do you do? When sincerely and honestly you have disagreement with some person who is equally sincere in trying to tell you that you are to do this if the will of God is to be done in some particular situation. What do you do? Do you switch or do you fight? A suggestion might be that you can follow the advice of Gamaliel Gamaliel, who, who advised his colleagues on the council when Peter and some of his friends were upsetting the religion of their particular day by introducing new ideas and telling people that that was the will of God. The first thing this very wise and honored religious man told his colleagues of the council, he cautioned them about what care they should give to such people who seem to be agitators and protesters and people who appear at first to be in opposition to what God would want. Be careful how you deal with them, said Gamaliel. Be careful how you deal with them. Don't abuse them, nor misuse them, or subject them only to rocks and to scorn and to beatings and to dismissal. You don't have to condone what they say, perhaps, but be careful you're not too quick to condemn either. Listen to them. Respect them. But be careful how you deal with them, for as Scripture tells us in so many places, it's not always easy to recognize at first a messenger from God. Sometimes we entertain angels, that's a messenger of God, unawares. And we do not always recognize those emissaries from on high who come to us with the voice and the message of the Almighty. Be careful. Be careful how you deal with those people with whom you disagree, yet who claim to be proclaiming the will of God. He called them or he cautioned them to be careful. And secondly, he challenged them to a sense of history. That's great advice when you are facing people with whom you disagree. Challenge what is before you with your sense of history. You see, it's always easier to tell how God is working today when we are well acquainted with how he worked yesterday. 
one of the reasons that we are working so hard and have been for the last three years in this church, in the Bethel Bible series, is with the hope and the goal of getting some of you adults to see the Bible as the Word of God that is also the history of God's people. We don't bring you together and we're not working hard just to get you to memorize some Bible concepts and some picture concepts, but with the hope in studying and in memorizing and in reading, you will get a sense of God's history of how he has worked in the world since he created it. With the hope that you will be able to see as God is working through the history of Israel yesterday, you might get a glimpse of how God is working in the history of America today. That you might be able to see, as has been pointed out in that very difficult 19th lesson of the Old Testament, that judgment is, itself is the history of God. And that if we who are God's people do not have a concept of how God has worked in the past, we're not going to be able to recognize very easily the will of God as it is working by the power of his Holy Spirit in the world today. The Malil told the people to remember that there were other individuals who had been raised up who had attracted a great following. But when they died, their movement died too. And he tried to show them that through a sense of history you can understand that there will be always not only prophets, but false prophets who shall be coming and telling us that such and such is the will of God. And it's only as we understand how these people have operated in the past can we understand how they operate today. And that is why in the presence of those with whom you disagree, and yet who are proclaiming the will of God in this or that particular matter, you must have and be challenged by a sense of history to be able to even recognize whether or not they are a prophet of God or rather some wild animal in sheep's clothing. The third thing that he did after cautioning them to be careful and challenging them to a sense of history, he called them to be people who renewed their faith in the power of God and to use good old-fashioned common sense. To put their confidence in God, not in men. And to come to the conclusion which anybody who thinks enough about it comes eventually to that place where he knows that if God is in that movement, there is absolutely nothing that anybody can do to make it to fail. But if the movement is only man-made and only the work of some evil influence in the world, 
no matter what you do to support it, it will eventually fail. You can't fight God, and God's will shall be done with or without. But we need to be reminded of that fact, and we are reminded when we renew our confidence in the power and the glory and the majesty of God and the fact that no matter what we think, nor how strong the opposition may be, God's will shall be done, the church shall stand, and even the gates of hell shall never prevail against her. If we read on in the scripture, we find out that the council listened to the advice of Gamaliel. They listened to him. And they didn't persecute their tormentors. They didn't just stand and argue with those with whom they disagreed. They followed that advice. They used caution in caring for those people with whom they were in opposition. They were people who were challenged by the sense of history which they knew, and they answered the call of renewing their faith in the power and the will of God. And as a result, ladies and gentlemen, we are here today because they followed the advice of Gamaliel. These are very difficult days. It's not easy today, nor has it ever been, to stand strong in the Christian tradition. And there are many voices speaking, not only within, but also without. Words that seem to be filled with so much conviction that this is the will of God in this or that particular situation. And some of us who have been around for a while, we wish we had that confidence, but we're just not sure. And we're in question. We wish we didn't hear such voices. We sometimes wish we didn't have to be put on a spot and decide. And above all, in our sincerity and in honesty, we don't want to be found numbered with those people who through stubbornness are actually fighting against God. We know that we have been called and that we are here not to be part of the problem, but part of the solution. And that we are a part of the body of Christ. And we are to be doing the will of God. But the will of God is not real clear to us. We wish that we could be like Peter and Paul and have such revelations so that we could know without a question of a doubt the will of God. 
But sometimes, like these times, if the will of God is to be done, maybe the best thing we can do is to follow the advice of a lesser person in the scriptures, but a person whose advice made it possible for us to be here today in the tradition of the church. The advice of Gamaliel. May God bless you as you struggle to know the will of God for you in these days. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for all that thou hast given unto us, for the strength, the courage, and the conviction. Please help us, Lord, when we're not quite sure, yet when we want to be in the tradition of thy will. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.